Serving Northumberland County as a not-for-profit, volunteer-run community radio station, this is CFWN-FM, Northumberland 89.7. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. This is Reality Realty. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate forum starts now. Every Thursday morning at this time, we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. For the past two weeks, Megan Adams from Megan Adams Legal Professional Corporation and I have been analyzing the agreement of purchase and sale, also known as the offer. Today, we continue with part three, dissecting the ARIA standard form of agreement of purchase and sale. Not so standard after all. And ARIA, ARIA simply stands for the Ontario Real Estate Association. So I'm just going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that this three-part series on the agreement of purchase and sale is the most informative analysis of the real estate offer that has ever been broadcast, ever <laughs> been broadcast to the public on, on uh, television or radio. And so first things first, let's take a look at our snapshot report of the Northumberland residential real estate market for May 3rd, 2018. There have been 128 single-family residential sales over the past month, and that's an increase of nine sales over last week's report. It leaves us with a rising inventory of 385 residential listings for sale. The average selling price of successful sales over the past year remains the same at approximately $400,000. And the average selling price of successful sales over the past month is approximately $387,000. That's more or less $13,000 less than the year average. During the past year, people have received on average approximately 98% of their asking price in a market time of 40 days. Northumberland County is in a seller's market with an absorption rate at approximately 33% based on the past month's sales trend. This means we have a residential home inventory that can satisfy approximately three months of sales at the rate homes have been selling. I research these Northumberland County statistics and I calculate the absorption rate using information from CoreLogic's matrix system. And matrix is a new local realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this kind of information but you'll want it to be more specific to the area you're in, the price band you're looking at, and the type of home you're dealing with. So talk to your local realtor and they will help you understand this information that's most relevant to you. Mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are up slightly this week. A five-year fixed is as low as 3.34% and a five-year variable as low as 
2.41%. And as always, with mortgages, some conditions do apply. Today's mortgage rates, they come to us from Mortgage Broker, Carol Ann Bryant with Dominion Lending Centers Alliance. And that, folks, is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market in Northumberland County. We have, we have right now, I just want to mention this before we get going, we have right now a, a bit of a spring, um, a spring fundraising at uh, 89.7 FM here. And I think back hitting the FM airwaves back in December 2013, um, Northumberland 89.7 has been bringing a combination of local news, news that is happening right here in our community, a local interest, uh, community interest programming like Reality Realty. Uh, they're bringing you music with a large portion of Canadian content and and they're providing a show like mine, Reality Realty, with a platform to help uh, the community understand real estate better and how to care for their home. So if you've been listening to this station, maybe you'd be interested in becoming a member of real of not of Reality Realty, a member of Northumberland 89.7 FM, or simply to donate. And how do you do it? You can just call the station at 905-372-2391. And why not be part of the community that's responsible for bringing local FM broadcasting to Northumberland County? You can also donate online if you simply go to the station's webpage, which is www.northumberland897.ca. And there's a donate button right on the homepage. So please, if you're enjoying this, please get involved and be part of the driving force behind it. Uh, Just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed on Reality Realty or any of the articles presented do not represent the views and opinions of the station of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors or of any real estate brokerage or realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. The information we give is designed to be informative and helpful but you should always consult with a professional when buying or selling your home. So, making the daunting task of dissecting the ARIA standard form of agreement of purchase and sale, making it an enjoyable experience over the past three um, weeks, is none other than our guest, Megan Adams from Megan Adams Legal Professional Corporation. Megan, thank you again for joining us this week to finish off this uh, series. Thanks so much for having me. I was getting sick of hearing my own voice, so I was worried others might feel the same. So I've, no. uh, your introduction, what an introduction. So <laughs> appreciate that, and it's it's actually been fun. Well, great, great. And and we've, we've received some really nice feedback. I personally have um, throughout the week, and... And I don't, I don't know if it's um, like I, I feel like I'm a real estate geek, right? I, you I, are Dale. I'm a real estate geek, and <laughs> so, so what I love, I often wonder, is the rest of the world loving it as much as me? Well, and that's funny you say that. Cause when we started this, I, I didn't know. Um, I think I sent you about 200 page annotated agreement of purchase and sale. Yeah. It was a little bit of a bully thing to do. I didn't know your reaction, and what you said was, "Man, I wish I had holidays next week because all I want to do is dive <laughs> into this and go to the cases noted and yeah. just learn more." So that yeah. that certainly, uh, I'd compliment you in a much well, nicer way. You. But real estate geek is, yeah. is good enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty much it's pretty much what 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 I do. So 
neat a neat series we're working on here, Megan. Um, and and at the end, it, it'll be nice just to maybe reflect on how mm-hmm. we feel about. You know, because as we open different things up, because we never have a forum like this between lawyer and no, realtor. and that's how I've been treating it, is just to have someone like you who's interested in hearing it, just to say, man, if we could at least get an ear to see why we wish to see something a certain way or why mm-hmm. something is just a landmine. I know it's difficult for people. You look at the house, you look at the purchase price, and then obviously... It's people are very excited what they're getting and for what value, but the rest of it needs to be given the uh, deference it deserves because mm-hmm. it could lead to a lot of problems for you, I, the client, and we just don't yeah. want that if it can be helped. Yeah, and 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 just just having an appreciation for what 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 each other is doing and and um, you know what the realtor has to go through to possibly get to that agreement of purchase and sale and why it's filled out like that. And and then uh, f- to have appreciation for what the lawyer now has to go through to to make sense of this all and to explain it. Uh, I mean, it should be explained to the to the buyers and sellers up front by the realtor. But there's so many pages there and so much legalese mm-hmm. that I, I I can totally see how that second explanation yeah. is critical. And and then but you're answering to something you never drew up. So sometimes it's a blessing and a curse to get things once it's already firmed up because on the one side you put your hands up in the air and say there's not much I can do but on the other side you think if only I had it before. Maybe what I'll do for you Dale is just create like a list of 10 of the most common issues we see because it's the same things over and over and over again. So That that would be neat and I would be happy to share that with other realtors if if that makes your life uh, easier. Mm -hmm. I for surely... uh, I do like to spread the word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... Megan, we, 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 we've been through a, a lot of this, mm-hmm. and we ended up at, at a, a pretty critical junction in this agreement of purchase and sale. I think this is, and, and correct me whenever I'm wrong, because it happens, and, and if you talk to Caroline, it happens regular. Um, it, I think we're at the, the big bread and butter of in a of way but if the agreement's been drafted we can only do what we can do and what dale's getting at is that we're at the sections that deal with the use of the property and whether or not you're obtaining good title and what's good title so do you want me to just plow right into it dale yeah let, let's let's get into this right away and and figure out uh what should happen on on the it's number eight number eight title title search search. what is a title search and what is this paragraph title search it states that the buyer shall be allowed until 6 p.m on the fill in the date to examine the title at buyer's own expense and then there's this there's a later period where the buyer has the opportunity to ensure that the present use of the property and a couple of other things are um, meet the requirement under the agreement first thing dale title search date what do you put in we like to see at least two weeks before closing. What we don't want to see, though, is an agreement firm up after the title search date, which is a problem. And we don't want to see a title search date maybe even the day the agreement firms up. Because what that means is by that date, the purchaser's lawyer must get to the seller's lawyer a list of issues they have with the property, a list of mortgages to be discharged, and anything else to be dealt with. And we need to get to the registry office to pull all the documents. So it's a balance between um, giving the lawyer enough time, but mm-hmm. not da- making it a day before closing as well. Yeah, and and I'm I, I'm going to guess uh, some titles are just uh, open shut cases, mm-hmm. and then other titles can be very unexpectedly, uh, 
you know, full of uh, complications. Yes. Um, and so we'll get into that. I think number 10 goes more into title. But as well, this paragraph, another important landmine is um, this is the date by which the lawyer has the opportunity to confirm that or this buyer. The property's present use and the realtor will put it in may be lawfully continued. What does your client believe the present use is? Mm -hmm. Single family residential is sort of the thing that gets plopped in there. Yes. But what if there's two units in the property and it's deemed a duplex? Well, then you better put duplex in there because if you put single family residence and I'm fighting and saying it's a duplex, the lawyer will say, no, that's not how we have it drafted. So, yeah, so that some time needs to be spent with respect to what is the present use of the property. Yeah, and, and that's just that's just a matter of the realtor keeping their heads up. I mean, when they do single-family residential after single-family residential after single-family residential, and then maybe in, in the third year, all of a sudden the duplex comes Multi, up. Multi-use. you yeah, got to multi turn use. your mind to yeah. a different direction. Yeah, and, and then, but, you know, that's just a matter of paying attention. What am what are we selling here yeah. <laughs> and 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 putting it in and that's almost like due diligence on two sides who's listing and what are they referring to it as and if you're calling it a duplex then you better ensure that legally it can be continued as a duplex that's just going to the town to see um, what we can do because um separate apartments is a landmine issue right now especially in toronto but that's mm -hmm. that's so two things there is be conscientious of the date you're putting in for the title search as well as what's the present use of the property yeah, and so big ones on title search date. Make mm -hmm. sure conditions are are filled, mm -hmm. are firmed up before the title search, mm -hmm. which which some people refer to as a requisition date. Right. Yes. And and then now there's times there's times with a short closing that I, and I know I've written them up myself, and all of a sudden there's a short closing because first of all we I always like to make sure that the buyer and seller go to their lawyers and and assure that this this two-week closing mm -hmm. can actually happen. And then if it can happen, I mean, then the title search is, uh, is in there as soon as possible before the closing date, yeah. right? We'll do whatever we have to do. But a secret for you, Dale, is we're finding not necessarily lawyers locally, but lawyers in the city are not actually sending requisition letters, which is just mind-blowing. If I missed a requisition date, I mm -hmm. would... Uh, oh, I'd be crying in my pillow. Yeah. So the the, lawyer, the lawyers are, it's I don't know what the reasoning is, but um, we want a requisition date. It's like a limitation date. Get that out there. And if we have a two-day turnover, we'll make it work. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, there's, and I don't know what it is either because I do know dealing with local realtors mm -hmm. and um, the whole mindset behind the local realtor as opposed to, the out of town GTA realtor, we can we I find I receive a h much higher quality. I know. Are we going to get threatened for libel here? <laughs> well, I, yeah. I I no, and and I maybe it's reputation. Small well, town as realtors yeah. and lawyers, we're uh, we I don't know. I call it integrity, but we yeah. maybe we're going down a yeah. And and I mean not to say that's not to we're obviously not uh, stating names or or deals transactions and 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 obviously i've run into lots of good uh, realtors from the gta but i've run into a surprising amount of shoddy work from 
GTA Realtors. We're, and we're, I don't we're kind of g- going the other way, but isn't it, when you look at the statistics, isn't it the realtors in Toronto seem to do a lot less deals per realtor than out here? So maybe it's a side hustle or they just yeah. don't have the experience as much, maybe? Maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. Hopefully they're listening to our show and it turns around. Yeah, and then and then I get, I'm gonna get a bunch of hate mail. Anyways, so do, do you want to move out? Yeah, from that? let's let's leave here and 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 it's only my I'm only speaking on my experience. Me as well, firsthand. Well. And so, yeah, maybe I've just had a, a you know seen a bad side. That's it. So yeah, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we we're into what are we into here? Future Megan? use number future nine. Future use, yes. Seller and buyer agree that there's no representation or warranty of any kind that the future intended use of the property by buyer is or will be lawful except as may be specifically provided for in the agreement so basically what you're buying is what you're getting if you want that pool in the backyard the sellers even if they verbally say i'm sure you can build a pool this says future use whatever you want to do there's no guarantee unless it's Mm -hmm. in the agreement um change the zoning of the property maybe you want to have some form of commercial use or multiple units the buyer has to either put in a due diligence clause to ensure they can use the property for what they wish in the future or um just accept it for what it is have Mm -hmm. you seen this very often well and often yes often we uh, run into buyers who have an idea a plan for that property and and you have no idea what especially when you get into maybe environmental Mm -hmm. um uh, environmental reasons why a property can't be used a certain way and mm-hmm. and the environmental reasons that they have a lot of muscle I mean you're 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 likely not going to get an exception Mm-mm. on many environmental issues so yeah it, it needs to be the due diligence of the buyer to uh, find especially out especially vacant land oh, vacant land yeah. you know you need an agreement so that all of the various parties, the municipalities, the conservation authorities will take you seriously and give you their opinion as to whether you're able to build what it is you're looking to build. Because vacant land, I think, if you can't build your pool, we might, you know, that's upsetting. But if you (coughs) can't build your property, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And and I did uh, did run into uh, a piece of vacant land sometime back in, and it was listed as a building lot. And it was a large property. And my buyer actually did their due diligence and they, Mm -hmm. they paid the, I can't remember what the amount is, but $200, $250 to Ganaraska Conservation Authority. They got the report stating nothing's going to ever be built here. No, and even a municipality, they're pretty good at the planning departments of warning you if there might be um, conservation authority issues, but you can get an okay from the municipality, but that's that's definitely tier two. Or you can build on certain parts. And And, and if, if there's any question at all, I find the municipality will refer you to the uh, mm-hmm. conservation authority and i mean there was a day where you could just phone them up and say hey will i be able you to build on that letter. but uh but they they have they have um changed their policy where you need to put in an application pay the money and get an official letter back mm-hmm. from so them due diligence clauses is very important um in terms of ensuring because the purchaser you can say look <coughs> seller i'm writing in here the seller the seller represents and warrants that the buyer can build a pool. Sellers are going to say no. Mm-hmm. Do your own job. So then you'll want to see yeah. buyer has 10 days to ensure they can build a pool or whatever it is they're yeah, looking to do. Yeah, e- exactly, exactly. I'd love a pool. 
<laughs> in, in, in a few weeks from now, even more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a question, you know, as you <coughs> take your clients in around, and it's, it's on my checklist when people first come to see me. Why did you buy this property and what is your intended purpose and what future changes do you want to make? Because it gives me a snapshot as to whether I need to stop and say, stop, let's backtrack, let's see if you can do this. And if we're at the mm-hmm. stage where agreement's being drafted, let's deal with it. Yeah, and those are, those are excellent questions for that particular buyer. Are we on break or are we doing okay here? We're, you know what, Megan? I, I'm running the show now, running. Dale. <laughs> Now, never, note to self, three never, weeks never let a guest be three weeks in a row because they, they take over and, 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 and they do it quite well because you, you, you nailed it right on the head. We're, we're at break time, Megan. So, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and we'll continue to take the mystery out of the standard real estate agreement of purchase and sale. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest this morning is lawyer Megan Adams from Megan Adams Legal Professional Corporation. And Megan, before the break, we were talking about, we were talking about, what were we talking about? We were talking about title search and future use and present use. And now what are we into here? Number 10, title. So this is probably the last heavy... uh, heavy section we're going to get into before we move on so title what is title it is what Mm -hmm. you own you know not just the um, appliances in the property or the walls but the physical land and whatever it's it's legal use is so 10 so number eight lawyer has until the requisition date to search title what are they searching they're searching that title to the property is good what is good title Mm-hmm. De- definition so i like this it is one that can be forced on unwilling future purchaser of the property by the current purchaser and that's that you'll hear that over and over and over again forced 
forced. Yeah. You entered into an agreement. Yes, you don't like something about it, but there, but technically it's not considered a cloud on title or will lead mm-hmm. to litigation. So you are taking it. Yeah. So. So that that is something to point out. You might not be happy with title, but if mm-hmm. it's considered good by law and by the agreement, you're taking it. Yeah. So one other point I want to point out with respect to this, you're taking title. E- um, even if it has registered restrictions or covenants that run with the land. So newer subdivisions, often they have things that say you can't park a trailer in the driveway. You can't hang clothes on a clothesline, which uh, that one irks me. But um, you're taking title with those restrictions on it. Any registered municipal agreement. Um, big one is minor easements for the supply of domestic utilities. Quite often the back four feet of a property might have a bell easement running through it or there's hydro easements. Mm-hmm. And that's sad if you want to build your pool in the back or put in your award-winning garden because a minor easement um, with a utility might be minor to one person but not another, but you are obligated to take title with that. And you would know that when um, an agreement... We talked about this. It will be mm-hmm. in the legal description most likely, and if not in the legal description, in the parcel, um, the PIN page. And drainage easements, you're stuck with telephone lines, public utility lines, etc. So that's the other point is, you know, you got to take title if it's good. There might yeah. be minor easements. You're still stuck with it. Yeah, but, I mean, they have to exist, right? Uh, that's why that's why we have telephones not in my backyard not you know i i don't <laughs> care about my neighbor so so they are they are in a lot of they are in yeah. a lot of properties sometimes they run across the front um a really terrible one i saw unfortunately in a new build when you enter into a new build you say you'll take when we do resales you know what the easements are new builds you might not necessarily know they'll come at a later date and you say you'll take um any easement that might be registered it's in the new build agreements and my client bought the corner lot really proud in a row mm-hmm. of townhouses they paid the premium. Well, lo and behold, an easement was registered over the corner five feet of their property for all their neighbors to trek across the back with their lawnmowers to get to the back of their property. Oh, yes. But when you new build agreements, and these are just... And and that wasn't spelled out in the original agreement The new at build all? agreements, they'll say you will take title with any easements that get registered. So it is... I mean, you're looking at it and you're thinking, eh, nothing, I know. right? And, uh, I, and I try to come up with every list of horror. It's amazing anyone goes ahead and that's why they call us deal killers as lawyers. We're just doing our best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's but right. something to throw out there. And the third point I want to make, and I've never seen this come up, but I find it exciting and crazy, is if a seller is unable to provide good title, but they do their best, then the deal comes to an end. Everyone gets their deposits back and life goes on. Isn't that interesting? So if I enter into an agreement with you to buy my property and I don't realize that maybe, what would, what would be bad title? Maybe it's stuck in registry. We've talked about registry versus land titles and who knows why it's stuck in registry and I'm not aware of it. You go to buy it and when the lawyers go to deal with it, it might be costly to pull it out of registry into land titles. I don't have that money. I'll say I did my best, but I can't. So here's your deposit back and we all go our happy way and deal is over deals over oh but don't worry because um neither the buyer the seller the listing brokerage or cooperating brokerage will be held liable for costs or damages i don't know about us the lawyers but maybe we need to oh my goodness yeah i know that's a fun one so so something like that should come up on the requisition date on the title search date yeah yeah. like that two uh, at minimum two weeks Prior. Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. So there's something I never realized yeah, that, that it yeah. could just end that 
that easily and if that quickly. I, if I knew of my crazy issue and I s chose to sell to you anyhow, okay. then you might have a claim against me. So if or we could prove that. Yeah, or if it would be an easy fix and I just dig my heels and say, oh. no, I'm not fixing it, then, of course, yeah, it, yeah. it's always great. Dale, because your, that's intent, an your intent mm -hmm. is an honorable then, right? Yes, yeah. clean hands. Mm -hmm. isn't, that isn't that exciting? Uh, I don't know if I call that exciting. Right? Uh -huh. It's scary. Oh, it is scary. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm just seeing what else here I've highlighted. So I guess the annotated agreement articulates it better. It just says case law. So the law that creates our, or the cases that create our laws has established limits on how far a vendor has to go in discharging their obligations in proceeding in good faith. So um, they will not be obligated to engage in time consuming or expensive litigation to resolve a defect raised by the purchaser. Mm hmm. And, and folks, I mean, this is this is this is scary stuff. Mm -hmm. This is part of this is part of the standard copy that yeah. the realtors don't really change yeah. ever. And, and and sometimes can be just brushed aside yeah. and not looked at. But but just to maybe calm some fears, Megan, I don't do that. OK. Well, 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 okay. well, I can try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can I'm try. gonna see if you have a <laughs> willingness to calm some fears. This uh, we're not running into problems on this as the norm. No, we're not. So more likely, there might be something that comes up. So I, when we pull when we pull title, we're gonna pull any surveys that there might be on a property, and surveys is gonna come up a little bit later, um, and it will appear that. The legal description, which describes maybe the dimensions of the property, and we've, we, you and I have talked about this prior, is confusing and mm -hmm. messy and mm -hmm. maybe not perfectly correct. So as the purchaser's lawyer, I'm going to write the seller's lawyer and say, there is conflicting surveys and we don't know what our client's buying. Fix it. The seller's lawyer is going to respond and say, you want to fix it? You get an updated survey. We're not obligated to. So it's the requisitions back and forth and response requisitions is a dialogue between lawyers. Quite often purchasers say fix this. Sellers mm -hmm. say no. Purchasers, lawyers have to work with the purchasers to figure out whether it's the hill they're going to die on or whether you're going to roll over and close it. And it's yeah. um, title insurance can kick in there. That's We underutilize title insurance. I'll call my title insurance and say, look, there's, and just did this last week, um, there appears to be a conflict of um, retaining walls are showing in some as easements, not in others. Mm -hmm. They insured over it. So if there's an issue, it's covered by title insurance. But it's it's a messy job what we do. People don't realize, I think, when they pay our bill, yeah. the amount of hours and time that goes into these matters. No. And and, and, and what's at stake? What's at stake exactly. is, is huge. Yeah. And and uh, so, so there you go, folks, because, mm -hmm. I mean... As we go through each topic and e each each uh, section of this agreement, purchase and sale, we're looking at what can go wrong. And so I just don't want, I mean, last year, April, I think it was April 30th, mm -hmm. 2017, Kathleen Wynn made announcements and, and changed the entire uh, real estate market. And ruined Dale and Megan's uh, summer. Yeah, and, and ruined our summer. There goes but more libel. Yeah, so I don't... <laughs> I don't want I don't want our broadcast 
to also halt the real estate market <laughs> because everybody's no. too afraid of the well, agreement the, of the purchase point, and sale. Well, and the <laughs> point is you should be afraid and put in yeah. the time at the front end to yes. go through. And you can always put in a lawyer condition for review. Lawyers review them, in my opinion, at dirt cheap rates to just get a second opinion. Sometimes mm-hmm. Dale will say to me, I'll say, Dale, I don't like this. Don't call it the city of Coburg. And he'll say, I am not taking it back to the other side and exposing ourselves to them walking. And good point. So I often um, poke at Dale and Dale's response is you need to see it from practicalities and working and practice yeah. the um, issues that may arise. Yeah. And I mean, w- we want to get it done right. We, we just do don't, we just right. don't. Yeah. What, what I like the way you put it, you know, do you pick it as the hill you're ready to die on? And it's not your huh. decision and it's not my decision. It's the client's decision. So all we have to do is warn them of the possible risks um, advantages and disadvantages to different courses and then leave it to them to choose. And it's different. Last market, like what is your, are you are you putting in an offer in a house that's sat for two years or are you competing with 10 other offers? And it will vary mm-hmm. what you put into it and whether yeah. or not you're willing to go that route. How, how an agreement looks. And you, you mentioned a, a, a great point. And I, I'm not sure that we discussed this uh, at all so far. So uh, remind me if we already have uh, talked about this. But you said it's not your decision and it's not my decision mm-hmm. because an agreement of purchase and sale is between a buyer and a seller. Yeah. And so it's their information. Mm-hmm. And and have we already talked about the fact, no, th- this is going to come into schedules mm-hmm. where, where the realtor yeah. tries to get involved. And we talked about it, I think, off the radio. Off the radio. So on the radio, yeah, where yeah. you're just going to say we're suddenly it's pulling in realtor. You know, um, we're we're trying to uh, put in something in a condition that uh, we're protecting ourselves, that we're not responsible for the work we do. Oh, that's already in the standard form. Yeah. We have form, Dale. Yeah, I know, but we still, some realtors will still put it and in it a schedule. Just, it just, it upsets me. Yeah. But I'll make sure I'm not. Or that we get to use this sale in our marketing. (laughs) You know, it'll just boom. Now, that's Mm -hmm. we know that's not between the buyer and the seller. Yeah. They didn't say, hey, listen, Dale, um, I'd really like you to be able to use um, this transaction for your marketing. Let's put in a condition that you can. And I think I mentioned to you, I saw, and I guess it comes to the disciplinary boards to step in. I think it was in... um, Vancouver, a realtor had put in the agreement that the purchaser must leave the sold sign on the lot for one year after closing, and yeah. neighbors complained, and she got her wrist slapped. And yeah. uh, no uh, business being there, <coughs> no business being there. That's uh, yeah, uh, you know, it w- could have a series, could likely have a ten-part series on the wacky things we've seen oh, we'd in have real estate. If if we had you and Carol Ann uh, for mortgage and myself, and then and then home inspection. Dave Smith for home inspection. The I things would, uh, he sees. Yeah. I mean, we could have a 10-part series on, on the wackiest things we've experienced. Oh, we could. I think it would be a lot of fun. We might get ourselves into more trouble. But yeah, yeah. As, lo- as long as we don't name transactions or names of people. Some of the stuff d- is just so funny. It has yeah. to only happen once. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> All right, where are we now? Number 11, closing closing arrangements. So now we get into more dryness. So I think what I'm going to do, if anything, is promote people. Uh, I had someone say to me Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, well, why the heck do I have a real estate lawyer? And I had to keep my mouth shut to say, lawyers are the only ones who can click the button at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. transfer these deeds. But um, dozens of hours go into each transaction. So this talks about closing arrangements. Mm -hmm. What happens? 
And to give people a sense, we have a, we close electronically. So lawyers are sitting at their own computers on the closing date to transfer the deeds. Um, keys go to the purchaser's lawyer. Money goes to the seller's lawyer. Once keys and documents are to the purchaser's lawyer, money's to the seller's lawyer, and closing day comes, um, they do all the steps they need to do and register the document. It does talk here about the DRA. I'm happy to see that. That's a document registration agreement lawyers sign between each other each and every transaction where I'm promising I'm acting for the buyer. I promise not to release keys until the seller... Um, money is in my account, you know, so it's, it's a sort of an escrow. In the old days, I wasn't part of it, but um, people would meet at the registry office and exchange documents, keys mm-hmm. and money sitting at a table. Now it's all done over the computers and yeah. by mail and um, deliveries. And so it just goes through. It's nice to see it in here. Thank you, Aria. The order things are done. Yeah, and, and, and funny enough, Megan, I, I've experienced on one deal, had a buyer, I had a seller, and the uh, the transaction wasn't going to close on the day it should have closed for mm-hmm. whatever reasons. I I think the the buyer didn't get the money. Yes, in it time. Sometimes the bank just on busy days just doesn't get it into yep. the lawyer's account. So mm-hmm. it was like the next day. It, this is likely and hopefully going to close, but the buyer's lawyer were was contacting the uh, my client seller's lawyer to have them release the keys because they had nowhere to be that night and we all knew they said we all know it's going to close there's not going to be a problem Mm -hmm. and 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 my seller's lawyer wouldn't release the keys i mean and that's a good thing but i can't even believe the request yeah and so we remember we talked about the between 5 and 6 p.m where technically Mm -hmm. the deed hasn't been registered but money's in the seller's lawyer's account um, everything's done except that button. So that escrow we're forced to do between five and six is a little bit different than what you're saying. And that just gets into a whole insurance mess. My fear, when I act for sellers, I say, I know you want to be nice, but those purchasers are going to go in and have all that time to s- learn oh. about all the things wrong with the house and come back and say, hey, yeah. you know, it's almost like a 24-hour home inspection. Or the or the uh, the the money doesn't come through because there's a... a a big reason it didn't come through on the closing day, the money doesn't come through. And now you have people who don't belong in your house and they're already moved Yeah, and when we do the escrow agreements, there's a clause that states that the person's not a tenant. It's called a license license agreement or something so that they do have to leave if that Mm -hmm. happened. But like my dad always taught me, no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, yeah, you think you're being a nice person. We try. you got to keep things within the box. So 11 just goes over the steps the lawyers will Mm -hmm. take on the closing, which is wonderful. Um, Paragraph 12, again, I could have my stand on my soapbox for as long as you want, but I just don't think anyone wants that. Documents and discharge. Basically, this talks about lawyers on closing. Sellers, lawyers promise to discharge mortgages. Well, mm. banks take months to discharge the lawyers or s- discharge the mortgages. So what lawyers do as the sellers is we undertake to discharge it. So basically I'm saying on threat of my disbarment, I guess. Um, well, don't go there I for will, the <laughs> I will discharge your mortgage um, when we get the discharge in and purchasers' lawyers rely on it. Um, so that's so when you buy, there'll be a mortgage sitting on there for a while and eventually mm-hmm. it will be removed. Yeah. Um, the thing with private mortgages they have to be paid out day of closing which is a real nightmare because imagine we close a transaction at 4 45 mm-hmm. as a seller's lawyer we have to get up to our bank get the check made to take down to the private 
lenders, lawyers account to get it registered. You know, it's just a bit yeah. more of a rigorable. Yeah. But the Law Society, um, the document registration agreement we deal with, now we're pulling in, there's th three party ones that pull the, um, private lenders into. So again, just kind of an interesting thing. Your deal's done, but your lawyer's still working on it for months to go. Whether you're acting for the seller and getting it discharged, yeah. or you're acting for the purchaser and sending letters every other week to seller's lawyers to mm -hmm. make sure they get discharged. Because it can cause a problem. You know, when you get the discharge, you have to make sure they discharge the right property. They discharge any transfer of charges, assignments of um, rents, and mm -hmm. just there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And, and yeah, we, nobody really understands what's going on. No. Until today. I hope so. Yeah. So just documents and discharge. Your lawyer's doing what they can do, and you better hope they're doing what they can do. And um, 13, inspection. inspection. I think this is a kind of... As Dale said, we'll get into conditions. Uh, mm -hmm. We like to see the trifecta, conditional on financing, inspection, insurance. But this paragraph is essentially saying if there's no clause that dealing with inspection, um, buyer, you're taking the property as it is. So you'll have no, um, does that, is that the best way to put it? Yeah. You'll and have no chance to inspect the property. And, and of this standard copy, these pages that just have standard copy, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like an index of different things uh, that could that could apply and not mm -hmm. necessarily apply. But uh, the inspection, I mean, this would apply every time, but it's only one of two of these items that have been in bold print. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ARIA, when they developed this form, they're saying, we really want the people to know that you could have an inspection. And protect the people yeah. who are working on the agreement with them. My favorite yeah. one of this, it's great to have these clauses in. I had um, one... It was a, it was a century property, and uh, the day before closing, the purchaser said, "We viewed the property, the basement stamp. Give us an abatement. We want money." And we said, "You had an inspection. You didn't yeah. do your inspection. It's a, it's a hundred year old house. Of course, the basement's damp. Yeah. It was damp when you put in your offer. It's damp today. It's going to be damp a hundred years from now. Mm -hmm. So." Um, you're not getting it. So it's nice to be able to refer to specific clauses and agreements as to mm -hmm. when you're making um, your decision. And lawyers do tend to work together, especially locally. We, we'd rather, um, instead of forcing something on a purchaser or a seller and watching the cards fall after closing, we all work together to ensure, yeah. just like realtors do, I'm sure, yeah. to ensure that everyone's happy and satisfied at the end of the day. All right. Well, Megan, we're going to take our last break. And when we come back, we need to get through the rest of these items and, and, and talk a little bit about schedules. So uh, we're going to have a couple seconds during this break to think how we're going to do that best. Yeah. So, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM, local real estate talk. Join us after the break, and we'll continue with dissecting the area standard form of the agreement of purchase and sale. Not so standard after all.
Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Megan Adams. And our topic is dissecting the area standard form of the agreement of purchase and sale. Not so standard after all. And Megan and I, we, before the break, we were getting into that standard copy that's sort of in nowhere land in between the first uh, couple pages where where we fill in a lot of information and in between that and in between the schedules at the back where i mean everything we fill in there so where where and we talked about it just before break megan we, we I got hate a lot to of do it, but we're going to pick and choose a couple we're going to pick and choose the biggies the yeah. things that we think are most uh, impactful right it's all impactful but we are going to in uh, we will cut yeah, some out. Okay. Um, so I said to you, I would like to touch base on insurance number 14. Up until yeah. the date of closing, seller insures the property. Um, from the time it closes, obviously, purchasers insure the property. What if there is a fire before closing? Between the time the agreement's entered into and closing, buyers can choose to either terminate the agreement or take the seller's insurance to fix it. And so the question is, the way the agreement's drafted is in the event of substantial damage. So I've unfortunately mm -hmm. spent some time researching what would that be. And it's dependent on circumstances. You know, if there's a flood in the basement, which we see before closing and that type of thing. And so do you think a flood uh, in the basement, um, it, it could be a deal killer? And, and, and... Uh, if insurance will cover it, then it's not necessarily a deal, or ki deal killer. The purchaser may be able to choose to walk or they can uh, elect to take the seller's insurance. And I guess if the seller says it's not substantial damage, you're obligated to close, then that's where you just put who knows what you'll do. Yeah, that's, a, that's a legal issue, right? Yeah, we had a house burned down once before the client bought it. Just it crazy. Yeah, nobody wants to see that happen. It doesn't happen often, but... No, uh, so... The next thing I wanted to touch base on was 17 residency. Mm -hmm. If a seller's a non-resident, they will be paying um, taxes on the sale. The seller will sign to state that they swear they're a non-resident. If the buyer has any reason to think the seller may be a non-resident, they may be... Um, their lawyer needs to push this a little bit and get proof to satisfy themselves that the seller is, in fact, a resident of Canada or else the buyer might be responsible for those additional mm -hmm. taxes. And what we do is we hold back 25% from a seller, non-resident seller on closing or wait for uh, documentation from the CRA to confirm what they'll be paying. Okay. Um, a lot of X's here. I think the next thing we both wanted to touch on was tender would be a good one. So on the date of closing, if it appears one party cannot close, we want to, as the other party show, we're ready, willing, and able to close. Unfortunately, the wording of the document doesn't allow a lawyer to tender by fax. Um, no one has yet been had the courage to, but basically, if I need to prove to someone and the lawyer's in Toronto and I need to prove I'm ready, willing, and able to close, I'm getting in a car and driving up to Toronto to uh, tender in person on that lawyer. I've tendered in person locally here, but mm -hmm. and I've gotten very close but some but it just hasn't happened so we wow. won't get into that but it's um it would be nice if you can uh get it see if they can add in you can tender by fax that would be nice yeah it yeah. would it would save you a lot of uh, would. time and, and stress would. where you wanted us to go and i agree is the family law act 22 we talked about spousal consent a little bit at the beginning if it's mm -hmm. deemed a matrimonial home the spouse must must sign so this just confirms that the seller represents and warrants that spousal consent is not necessary unless the seller spouse has signed the agreement and my favorite thing is 
are you a spouse? Apparently there are 14 options you can check off. So you're not a spouse. The property is not ordinarily occupied by you and your spouse and you are not separated from each other. You are, and then goes on and on and on. So I don't know if you have that availability to you or it's something you want to go back and look at, but literally yeah. there are 14 options, but um, actually it doesn't matter for you. It matters when we go to register the deed, what statement we do. But I mean, if for spousal consent, who's signing, we, we, we sort of need to know. Yeah, and the other thing is as well is people assume there. your matrimonial home is the home you live in, but mm-hmm. you can have many matrimonial homes. For those of yeah. us lucky, it's not me, but those of no. us lucky enough to have our matrimonial home, our ski chalet, our family cottage, they can yep. all be deemed matrimonial homes. So when in doubt, get a spouse to sign. If they're going through a separation, mm-hmm. tread lightly. Yeah. Yep. Tread lightly. Um, UFI, urea formaldehyde. The seller represents and warrants to the best of their knowledge. It's not insulated with UFI. That's in the agreement as well. But I think that's sort of going, I don't know if we need to go into that in too much detail. It could be a show on environmental or something. Yeah, I think I, I definitely that's that's a topic uh, you could get into. Uh, what what kind of homes to, you know, to be suspicious of that and where it can be. Mm-hmm. And is asbestos containing or not asbestos containing and and how, what for um, for getting rid of it mm-hmm. you know what's involved and the one other I want to point out and this one is, is number 24 you really do need to raise it with clients so legal accounting environmental advice the parties acknowledge that any information provided by the brokerage is not legal tax or environmental advice so basically who if you're doing it with a realtor that realtors providing with no advice they're literally putting pen to paper of what you want and apparently I don't know whether they can but so get if you have any concerns, um, talk to your accountant, talk to your lawyer. And environmental advice you'll see in all sorts of lawyers' documents as well. Because if there's an environmental issue with the property, you are in big trouble. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, if there's environmental issue, you're obligated to pay for cleanup. If the value of, like, the cost of cleanup is more than the property's worth, you can't walk because you are legally bound to clean up. So, yeah, and 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 you know, oddly enough, when you're working with a buyer. Uh, they're, they're often asking us, you know, questions that are legal in nature or, or tax type questions and, and sort of in a way that they're expecting will likely know and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just never, <laughs> never go beyond what you do, which is real estate. Yeah. yeah. And Schedule A, the meat and potatoes of the agreement. So I think I, we maybe talk about um, the basics, the standard things we see, do you think, instead of getting yeah. to... Ex- so I like to... S- last summer, we saw no conditions, which w- ended up being problematic. People were buying without... Um, inspections. They were buying without their bank confirming not only will we lend to you, but we'll lend on that property. And it was a problem. So we like to see, I know you people will put in conditions often on financing and insurance mm-hmm. or financing and inspection. Inspe- those are those are the two no, biggest ones. No, change it. Change it, Dale. Those are the three biggest ones. Insurance, conditional insurance. on insurance. And the reason I'm saying that and I, I standing on my soapbox is you might assume the property can be insured. Typically, you know, oil tank might be too thin and no insurance company will insure. Wood stoves, no wet certificate insurance yeah. companies. You know, you're buying a 30-year-old house in a subdivision. Oops, it has aluminum wiring. Insurance companies won't mm-hmm. insure. So you can't get a mortgage without insurance. So right. add in that clause to ensure that you can get that mortgage. Yeah. And, and typically the way the way I approach it is, is I say, okay, is there... Is there an oil tank in here? Is there a wood burning appliance, or was this home built in the uh, late '60s or '70s? Oh, good for and, you! And so, if if those three things exist, yeah. 
any of those three things, then mm-hmm. I, I recommend the insurance. If and century homes as well, they don't seem to like. Uh, yeah, because there could be knob and tube. That's another one. So so if I if I see like a, a little warning, it's going to be one of those issues, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend let's put an insurance clause in here. Now, the, the other thing is if you're trying to make a really clean offer uh-huh. and, and you, have, you have a mortgage condition in there, just like you said, you can't get the mortgage without insurance. So if you, if you were to choose to skip the insurance clause and just have a mortgage clause, then do your insurance diligence to find out if you can get insured and you find out you can't, mm-hmm. then you could... I mean, the way I see it, you can legally get out on the mortgage clause because you couldn't get insurance. You may, but why not just put it in there? Yeah, why not put mm-hmm. it in? And I see what you're saying, but it, it brings up another topic, the wording of the condition. So it says, conditional on buyer obtaining financing. Well, what Satisfactory if Satisfactory the, to them. Well, that's what if it didn't yeah. say that. Sometimes it doesn't. So buyer says, I went to the bank. They said no. Seller says, well, did you go to the private lender? Did you go to the mafia down the street? You mm-hmm. can get financing. You just didn't try hard enough. So like you said, we do like to see for all of the clauses obtain um, financing satisfactory to the buyer. And that just, that that needs to be there. Yeah. And, and in real estate, real estate school 101, they actually like us and encourage us to use the condition where you put down specifics of that mortgage financing. So it's conditional upon receiving financing for this amount of money at this percentage. And really? Uh, yeah, they really try and push us into that. But the, the reality is person goes to get financing and they've done a, 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 a you know, a cursory check of what the rates are. So they, they say, hey, I want to get financing. I think it's at that rate. You start filling that in, and then they find out, oh, that lender didn't work for me. So now we're going to this lender, and the rate's different. Well, you're now you're amending. Well, it's just dumb. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't want to go to dumb. Did you did you say that? Was that your inside <laughs> voice? Um, yeah. But anyways, but so most of us so use So what we're getting at is you need four. to be specific yeah. enough with respect to what a party's wishes are, but yeah. broad enough not to completely narrow what they're doing. Yeah. And purchasers do have to act in good faith. You can't put clauses in and say, we don't know whether we want it or not, but we're just going to put the clauses in. It's conditional. We can walk no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, you technically can't. You have to act in good faith. It, that that's an important thing. Putting a condition in a financing and thinking it's an umbrella condition mm-hmm. for anything. Uh, yeah. That I mean, you you could be easily called on that. Yeah. But there is an umbrella, a due diligence condition. Uh, that's, so that's it's as umbrella as it gets, it, and yeah. it, it brings us to two points. Especially if you have well septic, um, those are two examples where it's good to put in some form of clause, whether you're stating that the buyer will satisfy themselves, mm-hmm. or whether the advantage being then at least they can do whatever searches they want or the seller represents and warrants essentially the seller promises these things or you can leave it completely blank but um you'll want to there's certain things you want to deal with wells you'll want additional clauses septic access roads private roads you might want as soon as a private road you want to figure out how do i get there who maintains it Mm -hmm. what cost do i pay to what association is my picture going to go on some shame wall because i didn't realize i was supposed to pay 50 bucks a year Mm -hmm. and really know if how's your access and if it's off the beaten path you're going to want to clarify that as well what about uh 
We've got one one moment to talk about this quickly, but uh, you said represents and warrants, you know, that a seller would represent and warrant. So when they say represent, they mean the seller is saying and warrant is what it sounds like. You're warranting, mm -hmm. you're guaranteeing this. But the next part's interesting with something like that, Megan, and, and, and it's up to a closing date and it won't merge. So um, what... What does that mean with the merging? It will continue past the closing date. It, so if it does not merge, date. if it does not merge, that means it does not go in beyond closing mm -hmm. date. So if you have a condition on chattels being in good condition, get your final inspection in the day before clo closing and turn them all on. Or or and 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 as well on closing date when you move in check things right away right yes uh we tried it uh, about a year ago my client didn't turn the stove on for about two weeks said what do you of course i didn't cook i was busy unpacking and the seller's lawyer said too long too late even maybe next day too late right yeah we say turn it all on so megan thanks so much uh folks if you if you've been appreciating the time that megan spent here with us over the past three weeks talking about the real estate agreement of purchase and sale and if you appreciate megan's kind and thoughtful and knowledgeable and personable approach to doing business I think it's all true Megan uh, contact her if you have some real estate coming up in the future and Thanks Megan too. what would be the best way to contact you you can email reception at meganadams.ca or call us at 905-885-4040 and like Dale said most transactions go just fine and both Dale and I would make sure to our darndest ability that transactions do absolutely absolutely get the right people in your team and right. uh, and things can go well and so uh, once again folks i just want to mention again this is your truly your local radio station and we're at 89.7 fm we're having our spring fundraising so if you would like to be a member of uh northumberland 89.7 fm Give a call to the station, 905-372-2391. Um, you can become a member for just $30, or you can make a donation, or you could donate online. And that's at the homepage on, uh, for Northumberland897.ca. And, folks, if you like shows like this, I would encourage you, please, um, make a donation, become a member, and help to... Um, keep this uh, platform that um, allows Reality Realty to come live to you every week. Uh, help us to keep that there and become part of the driving force behind your local radio station. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can uh, contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage ProLiance Realty Brokerage. Don't forget to join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Until next week, folks.